Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, your guide to everything love, sex, intimacy, and relationships. Each week, your host, Zach Beach, interviews new experts on love, including couples therapists, relationship coaches, sex educators, and best-selling authors. Learn the best tips and cutting-edge wisdom to better love yourself, others, and the world. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, everyone. I am your host, Zach Beach, and I'm here with the incredible psychologist and author, Dr. Debbie Silber. Hello, Debbie, and welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you. Looking forward to our conversation. Today, we are going to be talking about healing from betrayal. And for those that don't know, Dr. Debbie Silber is a holistic psychologist, personal development expert, speaker, coach, and the author of the Amazon number one best-selling book, The Unshakable Woman, Four Steps to Rebuilding Your Body, Mind, and Life After a Crisis. Debbie has contributed to numerous media outlets, including Fox, CBS, The Dr. Oz Show, Twice to TEDx, The Huffington Post, Working Mother, and Forbes. After researching and conducting a PhD study on how we experience betrayal from a family member or partner, Debbie has discovered a predictable and proven process to take people from betrayal to breakthrough, which she calls post-betrayal transformation. This multi-pronged approach helps people heal from the trauma of betrayal. And last year, Debbie founded the PBT Institute, which has helped bring this method to tens of thousands of people. How are you today, Debbie? I'm doing great. So thanks so much for coming on. We have so many things to cover and we have a really extremely fascinating topic today talking about how to recover from betrayal. Mm -hmm. And before we get into healing betrayal, I'm curious if you have any advice or ideas on possible preventative measures. Recently, I had a guest on who said, there's nothing you can do to stop your partner from cheating. And she kind of went into, there's no amount of like looking at your messages or stopping them from going like on a work trip or something. And no amount of expressing like your jealousy is going to do it. But I just was wondering your thoughts on any practices to ensure that betrayal won't happen in our relationships. You want to think that someone is acting from the same level of integrity and ethics and everything that you are. And that's why it's so traumatizing, because here here we are playing by the rules and, and without our awareness or consent, someone chose to break those either spoken or unspoken rules. How do you know where someone really is with their current level of consciousness. You know, people are acting from where they currently are. There's that Maya Angelou saying, right? When you know better, you do. When you, If you knew better, you'd do better. And that's certainly how it works when it comes to betrayal. You know, someone acting from one mental emotional space wouldn't dare do that from a very different mental emotional space. When you look at like, let's say example, the type of people that cheat in relationships or the type of people that do betray one's trust in relationships, like are there certain patterns, red flags, ideas that we might want to like think about and look out for? What I've seen and what we've seen within the PBT Institute is, you know, betrayal will show you who someone truly is or who they temporarily became. So it could be if this is just this person's way to numb, avoid, distract themselves from themselves and they have very little empathy. It's just kind of who they are. That's just, they're just going to go on from one, one person to the next. 
and without any remorse, any empathy, and uh, off they go, right? But for others, it's a magnificent opportunity to wake up and say, you know, what the heck did I just do? Who who am I? And do I want to really be this this person who is breaking the heart of the very person who trusted and believed in me? So very different types of people and reasons why people go that route. Yeah, it reminds me of that age old question. Why do we hurt the ones that we love the most? And I'm curious your opinion on this. We just, we are acting out of just, we're sleepwalking through life. And there's some hole that someone has, something that they don't want to see, something that they're unwilling to work through, something that just doesn't, just makes sense. And instead of going right for that, to heal what's within them, they just try to escape it. And people choose all different kinds of methods, you know, food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy. And unfortunately, sometimes they choose another person. Uh, but when when it's only to escape themselves, they're, um, they're, they're leaving lots of cleanup in the wake because they're really, it's, it's a very unique type of type of trauma which is actually, you know, in, in the study that I did, and I, I know we'll, we'll be getting to it. That was one of the questions that I had for everybody, because I had been through death of a loved one. I'd been through disease and I was like, Mm-mm, betrayal feels so different. So I asked the study participants, I said, if you've been through other traumas in addition to betrayal, does it feel different for you? And unanimously, they said, oh my gosh, it's so different. And it's so different because it feels so intentional. So we take it so personally and the whole self has to be rebuilt. Confidence, worthiness, belonging, abandonment, rejection, trust. They're all shattered. They all have to be rebuilt. So that type of rebuild needed its own name, which is now called post-betrayal transformation. Yeah, it's a really interesting perspective. And I have a follow-up to that question, but first I want to get to just a simple definition, right? So when we talk about betrayal, I think cheating is the first thing that comes to people's minds, but you also looked at betrayal and family members as well. Yeah. (laughs) So real quickly, what does betrayal mean to you? You know, I define it as the breaking of a spoken or unspoken rule. And every relationship has them. And the way it works is the more we trust, the more we depend on someone, the bigger the betrayal. So take a child who's completely dependent on their parent, and then the parent does something awful. That's going to have a different impact than, let's say, your best friend telling your secret. You see, so still a a breach of trust, still a breaking of that spoken or unspoken rule, but different magnitude based on how much we trust, how much we depend. And then when you throw the heart in, it's a whole other matter. Yeah, that's such an interesting insight that basically like it's our level of trust and dependence on somebody is going to be directly proportional to how much we feel that we are betrayed when that trust gets broken. Well, that that's, it's such a shock, you know, think about it. This was the person or these were the people who gave you a sense of safety and security. So when this is the person, these are the people to shatter that very sense of safety and security. It's, it's traumatizing. You know, it's, this is the person you run to when other people are causing harm. And when that's the person causing the harm, where do you go? Yeah, it reminds me of this story. It's going to sound like it doesn't relate, but I'll get to it in just a second because I was literally remember remember reading in this web forum about a person had asked, what is worse, being shot or being stabbed? Like what's more painful? And the interesting insight that came from people's answers is everyone agreed that being stabbed was much worse 
because of how personal it felt. Because a gun is like somebody far away, but like a knife, someone's holding it, they're very close to you, and then they stick it in you. And just realizing that this is like an incredibly intentional act of anger and violence from another person was what felt so bad about it. And when you talked about betrayal feeling intentional, it reminded me of that because we even have this term backstabbing or, you know, I feel like you stabbed me in the back when you did this thing. So indeed, betrayal does seem to be in its own category of traumatic events. So tell us more about how bad that is, like how and why betrayal hurts so much. Yeah, it's a great analogy. The the one you said, it's so true. Think about it. It's if you lose someone you love, let's say, you you don't take it personally. This feels this feels so personal. And uh, it's it's such a shock because here you are, you know, like on a Monday thinking everything's fine, maybe even expressing love, you know, and, and thinking everything's totally okay, And then on Tuesday, you get news that forever shatters your heart and your life, you know, that's not to say you can't heal from all of it. You can, I mean, I'm living proof. So are members within our community and, you know, there's a roadmap for it, but it is such, it's such a a shock to the body, to the mind, to the heart. And, And that's also why when people just try to heal, let's say they go to therapy, you know, well, first of all, if it's, if that therapist isn't highly skilled in betrayal, it does way more harm than good. But when they only work on it from that level, I mean, the issues are in the tissues here. This, this gets, this gets every, we need to heal physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. And until, and unless you address all of those areas, you're not fully healed. I can spot an unhealed betrayal from a mile away. Oh, wow. We see it. Oh yeah. We see it in work, in health, in relationships. Like for example, in relationships, I'll see it in one of two ways. When there's a repeat betrayal, that's an unhealed betrayal. You know, the faces change, but it's the same thing. And I see this where people go from partner to partner to partner, or friend to friend to friend, boss to boss to boss. They say, what the heck? You know, it, the faces change, but it's the same thing. Is it me? Yes, it is. It's you, not in, not that you caused the betrayal, but there's a profound lesson that you, that is waiting for you to learn. And until and unless you do, you're going to keep getting opportunities in the form of people to show that to you. And that was, that was my experience. And just to, to back up, you know, think about it. You don't study something like betrayal unless you have to, you know? (laughs) So it's my 30th year in business and it was really health mindset, personal development. And then it was my own betrayals. And first it was my family. And I thought I I did the work to heal. And a couple of years later, it was my husband. And, and I was like, you're like anybody who's been through it, you're shocked. You're blindsided, devastated. So I looked at those two experiences and I said, what's similar to these two? And I realized that boundaries were always getting crossed. I never took my own needs seriously. So here I was, I had four kids, six dogs, and I was 50 and a thriving business. And I was like, going back for a PhD. And I had no idea how I was going to do it or pay for it. And it was in transpersonal psychology, the psychology of transformation and human potential. And then when I was there, I did a study. I studied betrayal, what holds us back, what helps us heal and what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive. That study led to three discoveries. and But it was in that drastic change of that's it. I'm doing something radically different for me. Uh, lesson learned, you know. My heart goes out to you that you had to experience these things in order to come and be on this path. 
And you mentioned how you can spot basically unhealed betrayal from a mile away. And, it, and yeah. I'd love to kind of get into those symptoms that you kind of look out for and identify. You mentioned how the issues are in the tissues, which yeah. is often used to describe how trauma exists in our experience. But you also mentioned that it exists on all levels, physical, mental, emotional. So what are the symptoms of betrayal? Sure. So that's part of the, uh, one of the other discoveries was that there's this collection of physical, mental, and emotional symptoms so common to betrayal. You know, we now know it as post-betrayal syndrome. So every couple of months, I pull the stats from the post-betrayal syndrome quiz just to see where people land. And, And this is every age is represented just about every country, men and women. So just to give you an idea, 78% constantly revisit their experience. 81% feel a loss of personal power. 80% are hypervigilant. That's exhausting. 94% (sighs) deal with painful triggers. 94%. And those triggers can take you down. These are some of the most common physical symptoms. 71% have low energy. 68% have sleep issues. 63% extreme fatigue. So you can wake up in the morning and you're just as exhausted. That's your that's an adrenal issue right there. 47% have weight changes. So maybe in the beginning you can't hold food down and then later on you're using food for comfort. Mm-hmm. 45% have digestive issues and that's anything from constipation, diarrhea, IBS, Crohn's, colitis, you name it. These these are the most common mental issues. 78% are overwhelmed. 70% are walking around in a state of disbelief. 68% unable to focus. 64% are in shock. 62% can't concentrate. So imagine you can't concentrate. You have a gut issue. You're exhausted. And here you are. You're supposed to make sense out of your this experience and raise your kids and go to work and everything else you have to do. That's not even the emotional ones. Emotionally, 88% experience extreme sadness. 83% anger. I mean, mix those two together. That's lethal. feel hurt, 80% have anxiety, 79% are stressed. So here's why I wrote the book, Trust Again. 84% have an inability to trust. 67% prevent themselves from forming deep relationships because they're afraid of being hurt again. 82% find it hard to move forward and 90% want to move forward, but they don't know how. Wow. Staggering, right? Yeah, that's incredible. That's, that's a... litany of of really challenging experiences that people experience from such like, you know, can often be like a quick and simple act, let's say, like, you Mm -hmm. know, it's just something happens in our life. And then we just fall into this downward spiral. Yeah. And then we start medicating the symptoms and then we stay stuck and then we, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And there's actually one stage where we find this uh, happening the most out of the five stages. And uh, it's, that's what we do. And then, you know, we'll go to doctors and coaches and healers and therapists to manage a stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. And at the root of it, very often is an unhealed betrayal. All right. So we have a very challenging picture and now we got to take the first step. We got to grow. We got to heal. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, when we talk about this happening in relationship, I feel like there's two options, right? We could stay in the relationship that we're in and heal together. Maybe you're a couple and an affair gets discovered and you're going to go to couples therapy. 
But some would say that we need to actually sort of remove ourselves from this relationship to heal on our, on our own and not necessarily fall into the same patterns. Yeah. So out of these two options, what do you find is, is the most useful, most helpful? Well, first of all, rebuilding is always a choice, you know, whether you rebuild yourself and move on. And that's what I, that's what I did with my family or, uh, if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you rebuild something entirely new. And I'm talking entirely new with that person who hurt you. And that's what I did with my husband. Not long ago, we married each other again, uh, new rings, new vows, new dress, and our four kids is our bridal party. Here's the thing though. When best case scenario, what I've seen is there is a complete and utter destruction of the old, the old relationship, the old you, the old other person. And when that happens, you have an opportunity to birth something new. But what I see so often is there's so much fear around that crash and burn. Like the betrayal was the crash and burn. And then for you so, somehow so often the betrayer's like, uh, but let's just patch it up. Let's just, you know, move past it. Let's just do this. And then I'll tell you, there were three groups in the study who did not heal. And there was one group where the betrayer had very little consequences. So, you know, it was sort of a slap on the wrist kind of thing. And, and whether this was out of financial fear, religious reasons was a big one, not wanting to break up a family, fear of change, fear of the unknown, whatever. They just tried to put it behind them, you know, without really any consequences. I only saw two things. I saw a further deterioration of the relationship. And number two, that group by far was the most physically sick. Your broken heart can't handle that. So, you know, I, I, I think there's that fear of just, that's it. It's, it's done. But without that, you can't birth something new. Like with me, that was the deal breaker. That, that was it. And so he was out of the house and I was like, okay, I'm, I guess I'm a single mom now. Wasn't what I was counting on this stinks, but here we go. And I was just committed to doing the work. And then on his own, he was too. So, you know, then when you regroup, you're two totally different people. But it doesn't always work that way. And I totally acknowledge the people where that's not, it's not an option. Like with my family, it just simply wasn't an option. So then you rebuild yourself and you move along. Yeah, I think that can sometimes be very beautiful that change also means transformation. Obviously, discovering a betrayal will change your relationship. It will change both of you. And sometimes that change is necessary. We need to discard the cocoon to become the butterfly. Yeah, it's traumatic, but it does give both people a chance just to truly wake up. In my instance, my husband was actually the one who told my kids. And if anything is going to have you wake up and fall from grace, you know, it, it's it's having your four teenagers looking at you like you just did. You did what to mom? You know, and it's it's realizing you just lost the people, all the people that loved you. And, and so that was the, the biggest wake up call on his end. And of course on mine, it was a different uh, experience, but um, yeah, it, it's betrayal is the, is the setup for transformation. I mean, it, it, it allows for that. You, you actually have an opportunity to create an entirely new identity. You get rid of anything that no longer serves. You keep the parts you like, and you build this version of you that never would have been able to show up had that not happened. 
I think what might help our listeners is just some examples of like different types of betrayal and kinds of betrayal that we have. Everyone knows cheating, right? But there are other ways to betray. So like in your research, what are some examples of different situations where betrayal happened? Sure. I mean, there are so many. It's like you can, of course, you know, a a child can experience something so horrific from their their parent, right? That's a betrayal. Uh, Your best friend can share your secret. Your coworker can take credit for your idea. Your siblings can say, you know, when mom and dad are older, we're going to all take care of them. And then where are they when the time comes? Your best friends in a divorce can just, you know, they feel like they have to choose one party and it's not you. It has so many forms. I mean, but even you could feel betrayed by a company, you you know, I mean, of course it's not, it's not the same, it's not as personal, but in my, in my study, I remember doing uh, so much research into all different types of betrayal. And I, I remember I, I found it so interesting. They were even talking about something called the love versus hate principle. I think that's what it was. And it was that we would rather knowingly, uh, buy something we know is bad for us than buy something that we think is good and be duped. Like we would like, let's say cigarettes, you know, it's bad for you. So if you, if you choose to buy the cigarettes, like you're making right, we want it, the honesty, you know, right. Cause it's honest. But if a company's like, Oh no, no, we're really good for you. And then you find out they're not, that is love versus hate that, that consumer will turn on that company so quickly. And rightly so we don't want to be duped. We'd rather knowingly take, you know, do something than feel taken advantage of and deceived. Yeah. It reminds me one time I, I was like traveling and I was scammed out of some money. And then I still think about that. Like I, that person was lying to me straight to my face. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, we're a very cooperative and social species. And a huge part of that involves trusting somebody that they're telling you the truth. And it can be really hard when that's not the case. It's really hard. And that's the thing. And it's such a shock for me all the time, I live so simply. I'm like, if it's going to hurt someone, don't do it. Like, And somehow I think everybody else lives by that same rule. And I'm always shocked that that's not the case, but it, it makes living real, you know, kind of easy and kind of clean. You just, you just don't hurt people, period, knowingly anyway. But with that shattering of trust, it's so huge because trust is so foundational. And, and the, the biggest thing I see with people is that's so uncomfortable for them. So they rush to trust again, but there's actually a four-step trust rebuilding process. And when you shortchange yourself, um, like it's, it doesn't, it backfires because you're not, you're not ready. And, um, I'm happy to share what that is. I'm happy to share the five stages, whatever would serve your audience. Yeah, I want to go into the five stages. Like there's so many sure. places we could take that, but let's let's return to the path of healing and growth. Yeah. So you write and talk about the five stages it takes to go from betrayal to breakthrough yeah. that you discovered in your study. So what are those five stages? Yeah, when this discovery happened, I'll never forget my study chair who just, you know, I handed over my research and she handed it back saying, Debbie, you've discovered a process here. And, and the most exciting part of this was now there's a roadmap. If, if someone is willing to just do the work, they will predictably move from one stage to the next. So there is no reason to ever stay stuck again. Anyway, so the five stages, the first was like a setup stage. And I saw this with every study participant. If you imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, what I saw with everybody was a real heavy lean on the physical and the mental. 
and kind of ignoring the emotional and the spiritual. So what does that look like? looks like we're really good at thinking and doing and not really paying much attention to the feeling and being. That's where intuition lies. That's not to say if you're busy, it's a setup for betrayal. It's just what I saw. Stage two, this is by far the scariest of all of the stages. And this is uh, the shock, D-Day, Discovery Day. And this is the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. So uh, here's where that person kind of takes a mask off and says, oh, this is who I've been this whole time. It's, it's shocking. And so when this happens, you ignite the stress response. So you're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot understand or wrap your mind around the information you just learned. This makes no sense. And your worldview has just been shattered. Your worldview is your mental model. These are the rules. This is how life works. Don't go there. Trust this person, right? And in a moment, every rule that you were living by is no longer. So the bottom truly has bottomed out on you. But think about it. If if the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You'd grab hold of anything and everything you could to stay safe and stay alive. And that's stage three, survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical out of all of the stages. Uh, if you can't help me, get out of my way. How will I survive this experience? Where do I go? Who can I trust? How do I feed my kids? Like it's that practical. Here's the trap. This is the stage we get stuck in the most. And here's why. Once you've figured out how to survive your experience, because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where you just came from. You're like, whew, okay, all right, we can do this. We got this. And you have no idea there's a stage four and stage five. So you're kind of planting some roots here, making this your new home. You're not supposed to be here, but you don't stay here long, but you don't know that. So a few things start happening. The first thing is you start getting these small self benefits, right? You get to be right. You get your story. You get someone to blame. You get a target for your anger. Uh, you get sympathy from everybody you tell your story to. You don't have to do the hard work of learning to trust again. Should I trust you? Should I trust you? I ah, forget it. I'm not trusting anybody. And you plant some deeper roots. Now, because you're here a little bit longer than you should, your mind starts doing things like, well, maybe I deserved it. Maybe I'm not all that. Maybe, you know, this, maybe that. And you start planting deeper roots because like energy attracts like energy. Now you start calling circumstances and people and relationships towards you to confirm this is where you belong. It gets worse, but I'll get you out of here. Because this feels so bad, but you don't know there's anything better, right here is where you start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, reckless behavior, keeping busy, whatever. And you do this to numb, avoid, distract yourself from this pain that you're feeling. So you do this for a day, a week, a month. Now it's a habit, a year, 10 years, 20 years. And I can see someone 20 years down the road and say, that emotional eating you're doing, that drinking you're doing, that numbing in front of the TV you're doing, do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? And I swear they'd look at me like I'm crazy. They say, that happened 20 years ago. But do you see, all they did was put themselves in a holding pattern of stage three. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's why we get stuck in that stage the most. Anyway, if we're willing to let go of our story and all that goes with it, mourn, you know, grieve our loss, do a bunch of things, we move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. Here's where you acknowledge, I can't undo this. 
experience. I can't undo my betrayal, but I can control what I do with it. And I always use the example of if you've ever moved to a a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever, your stuff's not all there, right? It's not quite cozy yet, but it's going to be okay. And that's what's happening here. When you're in this mental state, what you're doing is you start turning down the stress response. So you're not healing just yet, but now you stopped causing the massive damage you were causing in stages two and stage three. But what's so interesting about this stage also is if you were to move, you don't take everything with you, right? Like you don't take the stuff that doesn't represent the version of you that you want to be in this new space. And what I saw here was if your friends weren't there for you, you know, or those people that you, those stage three people, the like-minded, yeah, you think that's bad. This happened to me, this happened to me, whatever. You don't take them with you. And people say to me all the time, what the heck? I've had these friends 10, 20, 30 years. Is it me? Yes, it is. You're undergoing a transformation and you've just outgrown them. Uh, It happens a lot. Anyway, when we're in stage four, we're making it cozy. We're making it home. We can move into the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. The body starts to heal self-love, self-care, eating well, exercising, things like that. You didn't you didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. Now you do. Your mind starts healing. You're making new rules, new boundaries based on everything you see so clearly now. And you have a new worldview based on the road you just traveled. And the four legs of the table in the beginning, it was just all about the physical and the mental. By this point, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. Yeah, that reminds me of the five stages of grief a little bit. So I love your description. And just real quick for our listeners, what's the summary? Like what's the one, two, three, four, five steps? The summary. So the first is it's a disproportionate balance between physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. The second would be um, that's the breakdown of the body, the mind, the worldview. Third is survival instincts emerge. Like I said, that's the most common one to get stuck in. Four, finding and adjusting to a new normal. And the fifth one is healing rebirth and a new worldview. And I mapped them all out uh, in trust again with experiential activities moving you from one stage to the next. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful process. And I want to ask you more about that final one because that one seems to be the most promising. So the healing, the rebirth and the new worldview. Yeah. So let's talk more about what we need to do to move forward and heal from a betrayal experience. Yeah, well, you first need to figure out where you are. And so even I'm sure as I was moving through the five stages, you know, anybody listening could be like, whoops, that's where I am. Yeah, I've been. And and most likely you're in stage three and you may think, well, but it happened decades ago. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You need to find out where you are so you, you know how to move forward. And then it's a process to, to move forward physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. So you mentioned how betrayal is this trauma experience. And I'm almost thinking of it as like a subcategory of all the trauma that we can experience in life. So I'm curious if you could delineate a little bit between what you consider post-betrayal transformation to be and how it might be different from post-traumatic growth. Yeah. You know, originally I was studying betrayal and post-traumatic growth and, and post-traumatic growth, if you if you imagine uh, like kind of an upside of trauma, how that trauma, whatever it is, leaves you with a new awareness, insight, perspective that you didn't have. Like you lose someone you love and you realize life is short, you know, something like that. Or you you lose all your stuff in a in a fire and you realize, you know what, as long as we have each other, everything's fine. Whatever, you know, whatever the lesson is. And then a few other things. And I was like, you know, and what I shared earlier, how 
I've been through death of a loved one and disease. And I was like, no, betrayal feels so different. And it's because of the shattering of the self. So if I were to give you an equation, it would be post-traumatic growth, which is rebuilding of your life, you know, after your experience, plus rebuilding the self, because you're rebuilding the sense of self that's been shattered, rejection, abandonment, belonging, confidence, worthiness, trust equals this new term I coined, which is now called post-betrayal transformation. So you brought up this idea of trust multiple times, and I'd love to just get into what it looks like to build and also rebuild trust. Yeah. I remember reading about one metaphor for trust is it's like making a brick wall and like in your relationships, like every action that you follow through with is like more and more. That's what I talk about. And then, yeah. yeah, I'm wondering where you read that. That's mine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So happy to happy to share it. So yeah, I do. Uh, I look at trust as a brick wall where every opportunity someone has to show that they're trustworthy is like a brick and that brick wall could take 10, 20, 30 years to build. And the only way I know of a brick wall being built is brick by brick by brick. And then now imagine in one earth shattering moment, series of moments, the very person who built the brick wall just tears it all down. And how, how can it be rebuilt? And that's what people say. Can trust be repaired? I say, no. Can it be rebuilt? Yeah. But but the same way it was built the first time, brick by brick by brick, every opportunity that person has to show that they're trustworthy is one brick in that brick wall. But I mentioned in trust again, I talk about that four-step trust rebuilding process and people normally just go right to trusting the other person again. And there are the steps before. And it starts with the most basic thing, because trust is so foundational, the very foundation has to be rebuilt. So I'm talking like, you know, when trust is shattered, you don't trust anything. So you need to ask yourself the most obvious thing that that you can think of. Like for me, it was, will the sun rise? I don't even know. Everything I thought I knew, I don't know. So you test it, you go out, you know, sure enough, there it is. Can I trust that? Not sure. Test it a couple more days and see if you can trust that again. And what that is, and whatever you choose, uh, you're building a, a fa- just a, a foundation that you can stand on, right? And from there, the next level of that would be, okay, I need to trust in my intuition. I need to strengthen that. So what you do, it, my wise inner guide, my my gut, and what you do is you you imagine what does trust look like and feel like for you? What is the most trustworthy thing you can imagine? Like maybe you picture two babies laughing. Maybe you picture your dog wagging his or her tail. Like what does trust look like and feel like? And how do you feel that in your body? Where do you feel it, right? That represents trust. And then you want to go back to D-Day. You want to go back to when someone like you mentioned, the, the person who lied to your face, right? What did that feel like? How did how did that feel in your body? Like, where did you feel it? That's what a lack of trust feels like. And then you want to go about your day and be like, okay, with every interaction, which does this feel closer to? You know, the two babies laughing or the guy lying to my face, whatever it was. And and this way you're seeing that you're strengthening your your gut, your intuition. And and it's uh, almost like these invisible bodyguards, you know, from there, now you want to learn to trust yourself again because self-trust is shattered with betrayal, right? So the way to do that is you give yourself little tasks and then you do them. I'm going to make that phone call and then you do. I'm going to go to the gym and then you do. I'm going to drink that glass of water and then you do. I will not call my ex and then you don't, whatever it is for you. And what you're doing is you're you're showing yourself, my word is law. If I say something, I mean it. I'm trustworthy. And so now you imagine you have that new foundation that you're standing on. 
You trust your gut. You trust yourself. So you feel kind of armed a little bit. From that space, you slowly, cautiously, and carefully can start trusting in others again. Yeah, that self-trust is such an important key as well. And it just occurred to me, you know, how when we do experience betrayal, there will inevitably be that doubt along the lines of how could I have missed this? Yep. Like, what did I miss? What did I not perceive in the right way? What did I interpret in the right way? And sometimes these things go on for a long time. So then there is this incredible self-doubt around maybe I've been perceiving reality in the incorrect way. That's why the whole worldview gets shattered because we question everything, everything. We don't trust ourselves. We don't trust our betrayer. We don't trust, we don't trust anybody, anything because we, we had, we thought we had it figured out and we didn't. So it, it takes a lot to, uh, to rebuild that worldview, that sense of trust, especially in ourselves. So as we're running low on time, I do kind of want to leave our listeners with, with some hope and kind of like a hopeful message because you mentioned how this is a process we need to heal from. And some people, maybe they were betrayed 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and it's still there, yeah. right? The, some of the doubt, the symptoms that we talked about. But once we do begin that path of healing, first off, how long might it take? And then also describe the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Well, you know, as far as timing, it, it really has so much to do with someone's willingness, because if they want to hang on to their story, if they're unwilling to accept their betrayal, if they, you know, if, if they're not willing to let any of that go, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, you know, they're, they're not moving. It's the ones who say, whatever it takes, I'm just going to kind of put my head down and not pick it back up again until I'm out the other side. So timing had very little to do with it as much as the biggest needle mover was really willingness. So that's huge. Huge. And then, you know, you want to have all the resources and everything of it, you know, that you that you need the right type of support, addressing it on every level. But you can it, it it's now I mean, there's no reason to stay stuck. Staying stuck is truly a choice. Like I said, I, I didn't do anything anybody else couldn't do. I just was like this. This hurts so badly. And yes, I have my story. Think about it. The most important people in my life all betrayed me. But when you're willing to let go of your story, you can have such a better story. Like now we're helping thousands of people because I was willing to let go of my story, you see? So it's, you owe it to yourself. You, you've been through the worst of it already. You owe it to yourself to heal, to enjoy that version of you that that is now available because of the strength you're going to get as you move through it. There's that phrase like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, which I don't fully resonate with, but obviously the trials and tribulations and challenges in our life are enormous opportunities for growth. Yeah. So once, you know, once that healing is complete, so to speak, what greater resilience have we cultivated? Oh, I mean, you know, th when you think of, let's say, just picture trees, I'm, I'm looking outside my window and, and, and I'm looking at all the trees and it's, you think it's the ones that are so rigid and unbending uh, that are the strongest and they're not. Those are the ones that break. It's the ones that have a little bit of give, a little bit of flexibility, a little bit of movement. They're the ones that can withstand the trials and tribulations and storms and all that stuff. So yes, you have your story and you can be absolutely rigid and unbending and you were duped and you were betrayed and it was the worst thing ever. Yes, it's true. Although if you're willing to, to work on letting that go just a bit, you have a story that serves you so much better. Completely up to you. 
So thank you so much, Dr. Silber, for coming onto the show. I feel like we could talk for hours because you have just a wealth of knowledge. And unfortunately, we don't have all that time. So I just want to finish by asking you a question I love to ask all of my guests, which is quite simply, what do you wish everyone knew about love? Love heals. It just does. Love Love is, I think, the strongest the strongest thing, I don't even know, emotion, experience, I, I, whatever you want to call it, but there is so much power in love to heal, to transform, whether you, you know, start with loving yourself, which is always the best place to start. But with that love, you heal you, you could, you could heal the planet. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. And for our listeners who want to learn more about you, how can they find you? I just really recommend that they take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz to see to what extent they're struggling. And they could just find that at the PBT, as in post-betrayal transformation, thepbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Dr. Debbie Silber, for coming on to the show and sharing us your insight and wisdom and wealth of experience in this incredibly important topic of betrayal and healing from it. Thank you. And thank you listeners for listening to the show. We hope you remember that trust is a wall built brick by brick. It can't be repaired, but it can be rebuilt over time. And there is hope and healing no matter where you are in this process. There are five stages to healing, including correcting the imbalance of mental and physical versus the emotional and spiritual, including step two, that level of shock and breakdown. Step three, looking at how your survival instincts emerge. Step four, finding and adjusting to the new normal. And then my favorite step, number five, the healing, rebirth, and a new world view. And remember that the power of love is incredible in this path of healing. If you want to learn more about me, you can head to zachbeach.com and learn more about the show at theheartcenter.com. Thanks again, Debbie. Thank you so much. Thanks again for listening to the Learn to Love podcast. To learn more about the show and your host, head over to zachbeach.com or theheartcenter.com. You can also follow Zach on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 